Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Join us for today's episode of the Utopian Realities Slope Save Life on Planet Earth Blog Talk Radio Show, bringing you solution bearers with practical, proven, scientific ways to help you eliminate global level irradiation and extinction level threats from your body and bringing forward the means to restore and sustain global waters, air, soil, and sentient life. Welcome. Greetings, this is Siava, also known as Lisa Wolf, your host. Thanks for joining us this Sunday, January 29th, as the Utopian Realities from Concept to Planetary Restoration Slope, Save and Sustain Life on Planet Earth, Earth Aid Now Mission Radio brings you two powerful solution bearers. First, from 12 to 12.30, we visit with Kim Brooks of Hempcrete Natural Building, LLC, Green Building Industry Pioneer with a mission to create homes for everyone that don't endanger the people living in them. Kim and partner Jason Henderson developed hempcrete, fiber-reinforced lightweight concrete wrapped around a traditional timber frame composed of hemp herd, fiber, lime, sand, clay, plus or minus 2% cement, mixed and poured into forms plastered with natural plaster, and colored with natural pigments. Hempcrete constructions are energy efficient, insect and rat resistant, or proof actually, fireproof, earthquake, and water damage resistant, carbon neutral, or in fact negative construction, low maintenance, cost effective, with long-term value, and they're quiet, with reduced off-gassing, thanks to no petrochemicals or allergens. Then from 12.30 to 2, we'll learn about biofield regeneration with Michael Stern. Listeners, as always, follow the links to listen to the program and join the live online chat or phone 845-277-9359 to listen and ask questions or comment. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Lisa. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's it's so nice to know of the work that you and Jason are doing um, in building with hemp. Uh, how did you come um, into um, hempcrete? How that's, a, that's a good question. It, it was 18 years ago. We um, wanted to build a house. Uh, we live in the west coast of Canada on a little island, and there's a lot of dampness here. I was having some lung issues, and uh, the, the whole leaky condo thing was pretty pretty happening, lots of mold in the walls uh, from all the rain in this climate. So we looked at a number of different approaches to sustainable building, and for a number of complicated reasons, nothing really sang to us. It just didn't resonate. Um, so we started experimenting with different materials and came up with the 
idea um, that hemp would be a suitable uh, material to incorporate into our lightweight concrete structures. So it, we began a journey of uh, working very closely with the, the labs in this region, with our building inspectors, and lots of trial and errors. We thought about building with blocks and, and different things, and we finally came up with the, the recipe that we have now. And we went out on a bit of a limb um, and just started building with our, with our building inspector's blessing. Um, but we really didn't know quite what we were doing at the time. I think uh, uh, we had a, uh, some angels <laughs> helping us, but it's been um, amazing. So we, we built the first one, and then we decided to build a two-story. The first one was a low uh, one-story. It's a post and beam structure. And now we've built a second one that we live in. And we've rented the first, and Jason's been traveling around the our province here, building different structures for for clients um, around Western Canada primarily. Um, yeah, so that's how we got started. So, where are you getting um, the hemp fiber from? How does how does it come to you? Yeah, and yeah. I, I'll explain that. So, as you know, Canada. Um, it, it's legal to grow ca hemp in Canada. I think in the Americas, uh, Uruguay, Chile, and Canada <laughs> are the only places so far, but there's lots of change afoot. Um, when we first started building, we brought our hemp out all the way from Ontario, which is, you know, up by New York, for you. It's the other end of the continent, other side of the continent, um, because we need hemp, but we also need the hemp to be processed in a particular way, which chips the hard, barky bits. Um, into what looks like cedar chips, if you guys know what that. Yes, yes, sure. right, yes, cedar down there too, right? And so there's the special machinery that we uh, couldn't access except in Ontario. Um, now we do bring most of it in from uh, from northern Alberta. They are really big on hemp there. It's taking off again as a as an industrial crop and a protein source for the seeds and so on. Um, there are a couple places in British Columbia, but we're, they're not established as well as Alberta. So Alberta, we order it generally by the semi-trailer truck. Mm -hmm. um, it comes in big bales, and uh, we take our, get our tractor to lift it off and uh, take it from there. Um, so it's, it's stored until we're, we're ready to use it. But we go through a lot of hemp because hemp is 80% almost of the... Uh, of the material uh, proportionately. So, yeah, we burn through quite a bit of hemp around here. <laughs> so how how much hemp does it actually take then uh, to build a hemp house um, in terms well, of, I, I mean, it, can you, an acreage or, or what? I think, I don't know if I could do it off the top of my head in terms of acreage. I would say it would take about a half a semi-trailer full of bales. Um, so I'm guessing it's probably about an acre. Um, the, that is a big guess, though. Farmers out there, please don't laugh if I'm wrong. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the idea is with the, uh, um, the hemp is that it's got to um, uh, be used every year. You take it out of the, the field after, after you've harvested the protein and the seeds and that kind of thing, you're left with this material, which is in many areas considered a waste material, which mm -hmm. is just an added bonus for us. We're, we're, uh, in some areas, they actually have to 
extricate it from the ground and move it because it takes so long to break down, which for okay. us is the reason it's a great building material. Um, yeah, so one comment about the amount of land that it would take, uh, the equivalent, um, say if it is an acre, you harvest it and you grow another field next year and so on. If we look at compared to timber and lumber, um, that same acre, you harvest it, and what's it going to be, 60, 80 years before you have another crop, right? So this is really fabulous in terms of uh, just the ar agricultural efficiencies from just one point there. Mm -hmm. So so when you're doing a building, I mean, are, are you making discrete panels, or are you basically covering the whole the whole building? Yeah, good question. Um, traditionally, up to this very recently, we've been pouring it into forms, just like you would with concrete. You have to use the plywood forms, and we, we were able to use them again and again. Um, but the, it's poured into forms, um, and then we take the forms off a couple of days later, and it's, it's quite amazing how this slush, slushy, wet material hardens into something you can take take the boards off within a few days, and it continues to harden and calcify over time. The, the lime interfaces with the, with the hemp and the chemicals in the hemp beautifully to form a really great, strong, lightweight material. Um, now we are, you mentioned panels. Um, our research facility here, which is Jason's um, passion, uh, he is actually making a building as we speak um, out of panels. Um, and it's probably a nice segue. Our, our next prototype of our smaller houses will be um, used with with these panels, and we're hoping that we can eliminate the need for the, the post and beam structure. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, because not everybody has the kind of trees around that we do here in Absolutely. Canada and Western Canada. And so we're looking at a way to um, uh, lock the panels together uh, thus eliminating the need for for all of the infrastructure. Well, I, as I, I think I sent Jason pictures of our building here, and we had some conversations a couple of years ago because I really envision it. Um, it's a cedar-sided, forty-five-plus-year-old building that isn't finished inside and mm. has, you know, other. Anyway, it has. I, the vision of what it's to look like, and I'd really love to have it covered in hempcrete as well as ultimately the interior and be able to offer them, you know, here in North America. <laughs> I yeah, think yeah. an awesome. Yeah, well, something like that. We have done um, retrofit um, for exteriors, and you can clad a building with our material. Um, uh, you don't really need to do it in panels. There, there's definitely a way to do that. It, it ends up being um, a bit of a rebuild, though. You know, unless you, uh, in your case, you've got a, a heart connection with the building. But normally, it's just more efficient to start again, unless it's a historical building of some sort. You know. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I'd want to start again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, because I have other plans for, you know, additions um, mm -hmm. and things like that. And it's been kind of visioned out by mm -hmm. my late husband. So 
I'm kind of attached to the yeah. vision, including the swimming pool in the backyard that's domed with a dome that makes its own water. And, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of holding on to that vision. Um, so, and, yeah, yeah, but I see it covered in hempcrete, ideally. So, um, so how is it, um, the transition? I mean, obviously you're pioneering uh, hempcrete building. Are there others in in Canada working with hemp as a building material or yeah. worldwide? Yeah, What's the movement oh, like? Absolutely. Yeah, um, well, just to, to start with the historical perspective, there's been a very similar type of um, material. We didn't actually know this when we started out, but in Europe, particularly in France, uh, uh, they refer to it as a chauvre, is, is um, hemp. So isochauvre has been in business for, for quite a number of years. Um, and in northern in Ireland and uh, northern England, um, going back quite a ways, I'm going to say um, 60 years maybe, um, they did quite a few retrofits for those old Waddle and Daub um, Tudor structures that you may have seen. And they started, of course, eroding and um, so this material was was very helpful to uh, to restore some of these older buildings, as we've just mm-hmm. touched on. Um, so when we started, we had never heard of hempcrete. Um, in fact, I remember inventing the word, and uh, I don't know if it's just like the morphogenic field, it's the right word for this <laughs> material, but the word took off without us having any IP. I mean, who can afford IP on words? Right. Um, right, but right. anyway, when we first started, there wasn't anything that we were aware of at all. Um, in the the uh, the last decade and a half or so, um, you've seen you know occasional people making forays into it, but now it's taking off. It's actually uh, people are saying, "Hey, I've heard of that," you know. So it, it's still early days, um, but I think uh, and there's some research that needs to be done so we can prove out the concepts more in more detail. Um, so that it can spread more rapidly as as a, a viable alternative to some of the horrific construction materials out there now. Well, what about the? You're, there's what, oh, like two percent concrete. Are, is there any issue or concern with using concrete? Or I guess it's isn't it Portland cement that actually has all these hidden health dangers since not um, itself. Um, well, no, there, if you, you can get healthier versions of concrete and they put fly ash in it actually. Um, but for our purposes, it's a heavily embodied, concrete is a heavily embodied material to produce. And um, so the, the breakdown chemically of the material itself is only part of the concern. The, the other part of the concern is what does it take to process the um, materials and how much pollution does it cause and so on. And that's where we, we just knock um, concrete off our list of desirable um, solutions. So we could do without the concrete. I'm sorry, I meant cement. Yeah, I meant cement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the cement itself, um, we could probably eliminate it. Uh, we put it in there just as um, almost to please the bankers and, and these guys that they want to see a little bit right. of familiar material. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the pictures I've seen are, are beautiful. And um, talk about the 
um, carbon um, footprint? Why? Well, again, from from the very beginning, if you look at um, how the hemp, you know, hemp is grown. And when I talked about the uh, efficiency of it as a crop, from there you start getting your points in toward the, the uh, how much energy does it take to create, um, is it polluting along the trail of its life kind of thing. Um, when From the material itself, there is a, um, a thermal mass quality to the material. Um, so it is incredibly efficient with heat and cooling. Um, it's uh, when we've had lots of chance to see how warm it is in the recent. We've had a lot of uh, un unusual uh, Nordic frozen wasteland time around here on the coast, so it's been really cozy. So it stores the heat very efficiently. It's an ambient type of heat that heats the. Um, we use a radiant uh, hydronic system, which blends very nicely with our material. We can put the pipes right through the walls or the floor. And so the package, um, when we talk about being carbon neutral, um, our system, our house design is all an integral part that you know, everything works together like a, an ecosystem uh, to, be, uh, to utilize the, the energy available to the very best extent. So the, the wall does not form, uh, we don't have plastic water barriers or anything like that. Um, we're not going for the passive house kind of approach, which is airtight. Mm -hmm. And so you, you create an airtight box, and then you bring in artificial ventilation and um, you know from the outside, or not the ventilation mm -hmm. is artificial, but the, the tools to get it in. That's one approach. Um, our approach is the opposite. Our approach is a breathable wall system, which doesn't need to be or want to be airtight. It heats the air and the space inside and the wall itself. Um, and then emanates slowly over the day and thus becoming very, very energy efficient. And then in the summer, of course, it insulates um, from, from either heat or cold. So our houses, as a result of the thickness of the wall and the air spaces created by the, um, the hemp chips displacing air, it's like a, a pocket of air, but it's a strong pocket of air because it's being supported by the hemp chip. So in the in the summer, you find the, the reverse is true. It's very cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And so are you using insulation then? No, no, none at all. We use, we use insulation in the roof, um, um, and, but we don't, the, the hempcrete walls do, it's, there's nothing in the, in the wall except the hempcrete and then the plaster on the outside. It's a, a, an intro. So, so, so you have studs and you're, I mean, when you put up your walls outside, inside, what's mm -hmm. in between? Just the concrete, ma'am. <laughs> Just pour it right in there. We make the forms on either side of the timbers or the two by fours if it's a, if it's a two by four structure. Um, we oh, wow. create the forms and pour it and then we use a little vibrating thing that makes sure there's no bubbles in there. Um, we do like to use, around here they want us to use a little rebar in it. Uh, we think we could probably replace that with bamboo. Um, that's another experiment we're doing. But we use oh, rebar nice. in sort of cross shapes between the, 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 the wooden frame of whatever kind you're using. Sure. And we just pour it in there and, and away you go. Then after it's been How dry, long does it take to dry? Yeah, it depends on the on the temperature, of course. Um, in the summer, 
I'm going to say, three days, as I say, the, the forms can come off. We probably another three or four days to let it really dry out. Um, but there's no danger with working with it earlier because, of course, it's constantly circulating a little bit of air on the on the top um, uh, because of the, the characteristics I've just described. So once it's thoroughly dry, then we use a hemp-based plaster, um, and it's ground-up hemp. It's basically the same formula, but the, just the recipe shifts around a little bit. And mm -hmm. we plaster that, just like you would see uh, a cement stucco, except this is entirely a hemp, a hemp product. We call it stone hemp. Um, wow. And we can, we can uh, then have a seal, so it's got like a a raincoat or a windbreaker you know, around the outside. Right. Um, so and then we col color it from there if we want to. Wow. And you do workshops. When is your next workshop? Well, I, you know what? We're, we're moving away from that model, unfortunately. I know a lot of people are wanting us to do workshops again, but really what we're doing is um, we're focusing all of our energy on our tiny houses now. Um, and our, they're built on a on a, a metal skid, so it can be winched onto a truck and installed like any modular house could be. Um, yes. It could be affixed to a permanent foundation if that's what your building code and your banker want, and it's considered a house. Or right. it can be pulled into your parking lot. And um, in our region, we as long as we have a CSA stamp to uh, certain categories, then it's an, it's basically an RV in this case without wheels, which makes for a bouncy house, um, mm -hmm. it's solidly on the ground. So because we're focusing on this, we are um, we want to bring the, the product and the technology to the world, um, but we're now, this, this tiny house project is what we're bringing to the world. So we're looking for partnerships with universities, with communities like your own, um, where we can come in and partner and bring in a, a, an ecosystem of um, that. Well, you know, it's so funny because part of my late husband's vision on our property, the White Buffalo Nation property, and I'm sure his, you know, building ideas were perhaps different, although he supported Hempcrete, um, was doing that, building these little houses that could be, you know, you know, bought and driven away. So mm -hmm. we're definitely going to have to keep talking about that. Um, we have a couple of callers that, um, 519, welcome. Hi, Lisa. Excuse me. Hi, Lisa. This is Bob Challenger. And uh, I'm oh, in Southern Ontario. Hi, Kim. Um, I'm intrigued Hi. by what you've spoken about. And uh, I want to know yes. if uh, you have... Oh, any this? Pardon me. You're a fellow Canadian. Hello? You said you're in Ontario. Yes. 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 I'm, we okay. hear you, Bob. Right. Okay. Um, uh, so, and I'm really intrigued with what you've been speaking about, and I've been following a bit of this information. Uh, but I see you're on the cutting edge of building homes with this product. Do you have any? Um, Distributors out in Ontario uh, that I could communicate with. Yeah, good, very good question. And um, the short answer is no, we don't. We don't actually distribute our hempcrete in bags uh, per se. 
um, you know, that would be moving into a huge commodity kind of a model that um, that yeah. we uh, we don't want to go down that road. What we right. can do okay, so, as a yeah. is yeah. Go ahead. Oh well, yeah. Instead of distributor, um, how about a manufacturer? Because that's, I mean, I want to get involved in this product because of all the economic, the yeah. uh, environmental conditions. And I'm retired. I used to own the largest Remax real estate office in North America, and I'm retired now. And um, I have some knowledge of uh, uh, pouring concrete into forms. I did a film back in the '70s when I was sort of in film production with Duracrete, who used the same kind of process to uh, pour their concrete into forms. But I'm really excited about this, and I'd like to explore getting some uh, more information about it and, and look at some uh, potential investors in my area. I'm just the west of Toronto right now, but it's, you know, the greater yeah, Toronto region. Yeah, so, really so, Yeah, no. That's me. We should probably take this offline and talk about it. But yeah, <laughs> I think so. Wonderful. Yeah, and that's that's the, that is definitely the model, though, is that we can come up and set up a facility for you. So let's let's talk. Wonderful. Okay. I'll make sure and connect afterwards. <laughs> Thank and, you. Um, and listeners, that's what I love about these programs and live is that um, good things happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to welcome, we seem to have one other caller. Um, caller, you're on the air. Welcome. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, Good afternoon, I'm actually joining, I was a little bit part of the call, but after hearing Bob... Oh, okay. Ryan, welcome, Kate. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So, I, I guess that is the the question in the in the larger vision of that you have of um, homes for everyone. How how do you see this rolling out? so to speak, mm-hmm. yeah. progressing, yeah. and especially for us here in the States who aren't yeah. as fortunate as as you, um, you know, but integrating yeah. this. Yeah. Okay, that's a good question. So the um, you guys aren't allowed to legally grow the hemp yet, but you are allowed to import it. And so that can certainly be done. We can arrange shipping for large volumes of hemp, and unless your government, your new government, changes something else, um, you should be able to get those across the border. Um, I guess the, the model, though, that would make sense for us personally to get involved um, would be uh, either in some kind of strategic alliance with, uh, we're talking to universities, for example, who can get special permissions to build a sample of our home and start familiarizing people with, uh, with the solution that we have on the well, table. I'd be very happy. I'm very good friends with people at... Um, University of Nevada, Reno, and the Desert Research Institute, and other people here in Nevada um, with the Economic Development Authority people. And I'd be happy to arrange for a conversation and presentation to appropriate Mm -hmm. people here in Nevada to move us forward. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's great, and that, that's, I think, a very first step for you um, in your region. The other, the other thing that can happen is for us to make it um, make sense uh, economically for everybody involved, we would be willing to come down if we could do multiples, um, get enough volume of orders, then we would be able to come down and actually um, with you, show you how to build the facility and um, partner with you to roll out the houses in your region. So, so that's really available. That's kind of how our workshop model has evolved. Um, so we probably have to come down to your region for four months, kind of thing. And uh, yes. you know, but if there was enough volume, that would make sense for us. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Because we still have a building industry moving forward in this area, uh, mm -hmm. in this part of the state as well. Uh, I'd like to. Sorry, I just want to say one more thing about that. It's only a matter of time before hemp, um, God willing, is legal again in your region. It, it, just, it does not make sense for it to be illegal. It was a big crop in the U.S. after the war, and um, as soon as it does become legalized, there are all sorts of economic um, um, solutions that can be brought into depressed regions from the harvesting of the seeds right on through to what we are doing with the houses. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, Bob, any other, anything else you'd like to say to um, Tim well, right I'm, now? Sure, uh, indeed. Uh, I'm in a community that has a number of universities, and, uh, and of course Toronto has a whole bunch too. And uh, there's a, a big movement here in our area to get off-grid and build small homes that um, are inexpensive and ecological and environmentally sustainable. So I would love to talk more about connecting with these universities and having you come and make presentations. And, and, and then uh, this is the future of housing, in my opinion. I know in, in Russia, in, the, in Siberia, this is what people are doing. And they you know, have their own plots of land and grow their own food and they're off-grid. And they're not big; yeah. they're small yeah. homes. This would be ideal. That's, that's right. And our model is—it's uh, on—it's probably ninety percent of the way to having an off-grid version. Um, we're just making some design tweaks, but that's where the—that's where it's going. You know, go to a region, take your house with you, live there for a few years or the rest of your life, but set up an ecosystem that is a full solution with the composting toilet and the solar panels and so on. That's the future as, as, as we see it. And it sounds like we agree on that one, Bob. I agree as well. <laughs> I'm going to welcome um, 480. You're on the air. Yes. So Lisa, I'll, I'll drop off now. No, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Oh. 480. Yes, that's me. Okay, it's you, Michael. Hi. All right. That's me. Hi. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Hi. Wonderful. Great conversation. Welcome. Um, Kim, thank you so much. Oh, Michael, is was there anything that you wanted to say to Kim if she's still with us? Yep, I'm here. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, commenting on how fantastic. Uh, that technology is and, and what a vision it is for being able to have that um, here in the country and 
being able to create these types of homes. I mean, everything I've seen on it is just so fantastic. Uh, so anyway, I was just hats off. That's basically what I wanted to say. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. And uh, I'll tune in so I, so I can listen to your presentation. But thank you so much, Lisa, and everybody involved in the station for having us and for doing the beautiful work you're doing on the planet. Um, namaste. Namaste as well. Namaste. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, Michael. <laughs> welcome, Michael. Listeners, um, we're joined here. now by Michael Stern, who will share with us about biofield regeneration. In 1996, Terry Scringar invented a device for use in home or practice that dramatically enhances health and wellness based on water's unique ability to transform energy into a life-compatible format, bioenergy. In nature, conditions resulted in legendary healing bodies of water frequented for hundreds of years. This device creates water-mediated bioenergy from electromagnetic energy, creating an even more beneficial biofield than even such famed healing locations. Utilizing a specific metal and geometric electrode plate array configuration coupled with DC power to create a bioelectrodynamic field when immersed in water, the Bioelectric Field Enhancement Unit, BEFE, was introduced to North America by our guest, Michael Stern. And recent scientific research validates and explains the powerful results experienced when using the BEFE. Michael holds a bachelor's degree in biology from UMBC and has worked in scientific and analytical research for several prestigious companies. His primary areas of research were in molecular biology, biochemistry, organic and analytical chemistry. He spent 25 years researching alternative and energetic health-related products and technology, as well as running two companies focused on delivering these types of products to the alternative and integrated healthcare community. He has also been responsible for generating millions of dollars of sales of unique health-related products to the world marketplace. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me here. So, biofield regeneration. What are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> What's going well, on? You know, this sounds remarkable. Uh, <laughs> it, it it really is a, a remarkable technology, and I I've always been on on the lookout and you know, magnetizing into my world, technologies, concepts, ideas that, that are really kind of out there close to the edge, maybe a little bit over the edge. I, I've always been an advocate of, of finding the convergence of what would typically be considered science and, and metaphysics, where I just consider it being tapping into energy fields that we haven't quite grasped, you know, how they fit in our scientific paradigm. But 
I I bumped into this technology back in 1999 at a conference where I met the inventor of it. And even before I met him, I saw a device uh, just sitting on a table without any signage or information. I had no clue what its use was. But I got a really strong intuitive sense that there was something really profound about this that made me, you know, take a beeline to these guys once they had came over to where the booth was, once it, it opened up. And, you know, and I, I definitely gravitated to it. But to answer your question, you know, this, this is a device that that goes into water and it creates some really profound results. I mean, that, that are dramatic in what it's able to accomplish for people. And as a scientist trying to get my head around it, <clears throat> excuse me, I searched to understand what was really going on. And the the concept of how there's these healing bodies of water that people have known for many, many years um, really gave me the sense when, when the inventor was explaining how water has the unique property of being able to convert what would be considered inorganic forms of energy like thermal energy or kinetic energy from motion or magnetic energy or electromagnetic energy that are not compatible with biological systems. Yeah, you know, those things can create certain benefits, but they're not directly compatible to be utilized directly by the system. And water under the right conditions can convert that energy into a biologically compatible format that is kind of like having a battery charger for your body, but it's actually doing it at every cell in the body. And, and that's the way it was explained. And I saw amazing results. And as a scientist for 10 years, I was trying to be able to figure out really in scientific terms what the mechanism is that's that's really taken this, this kind of concept of bioenergy, which isn't something most scientists really grasp, and, and you know, creating a tangible interface to the biological, molecular biology, genomic side of things, where things are really measurable and you've got that quote-unquote evidence-based science behind it. And that's really what's happened in the last uh, year, which was really the culmination of eight years worth of research that totally nailed what was going on with this. And frankly, that's the reason that I have come back full force and full circle into the project as a result of that. So that's a long answer for your simple question, but I hope that gives some context. No, not at all. Not at all. And I'd like to welcome Eddie Taylor. I think he's joined us. Are you so, with us, you Eddie? Yes, yes, we can. Welcome, oh, yeah. Eddie. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, I had a question. Um, please. Yeah, well, uh, Michael. What would the average listener expect to experience in a few days or a few weeks if they got one of these devices? That's a great question. Um, the, the immediate response uh, that, that most people experience is one of, you know, almost instant relaxation. Uh, you can, you know, see people that are all tense muscular-wise or um, for instance, I had a cousin visit me recently who drove from Florida out to Arizona, and, and he was a an ex-military guy with all kinds of aches and pains and, you know, range of motion issues. So by the time he got here, he was not in good shape. And, uh, and even though I had to really convince him to give this thing a try, um, 
when I watched him do it, I could just see everything, you know, I can see him relax, you know, the muscles relax, and I can see him kind of being perplexed as he was testing range of motion that he didn't have before. And initially, he was saying, well, I, I thought it was just my imagination. It's about a 35-minute session. And by the end of the 35-minute session, he's like, you know, this is amazing. I, I, I can't believe that this is really doing that. And, and you know, that alone has such a powerful impact on people. But, but also, people immediately, um, you know, start talking about what it's doing for their sleep, uh, for their energy levels. Uh, not not like it's a stimulant stimulant energy, but if you conceive of the concept of having additional battery power to use to get you through the day, and you don't necessarily feel that battery power until you get to the point where usually you're kind of now on uh, your standby systems or your backup systems, and you you know you feel like you're you're at the point in the day where you typically are running out of energy, and that's not happening then people start to, to realize that and experience it. But, but what it's doing at the cellular level, Eddie, is, is what's really profound. And those kinds of things generally take a period of time to start creating shifts in what's going on, depending upon what's happening with the individual. But, but I think uh, another issue that um, is a little bit um, unrelated to the physical aspects of it is, is it's doing some very profound things on the bioenergetic field with people that gives them a greater sense of, of, uh, of sensation. Uh, you know, they, people remark that they, they have a better uh, sense of what's going on about the things around them, colors, sounds, and things of that nature. But it creates kind of a cocoon of energy around people that kind of uh, separates them maybe from the barrage of all the electromagnetic pollution that we're immersed in. So for a period of time, it's kind of like, you know, being away a little vacation from that energy. And, um, you know, and it does have a big impact on the size of people's energy field. And so there's a lot of really kind of subtle, you know, aspects along those lines that get people go, wow, that's really interesting. And they want to do it again. You think it might send off electromagnetic smog and maybe even radiation at some point? Well, you know, that's the concept that you're putting, you're, you're kind of expanding your energy field, you're raising the, the, the energetic level to the point where you're just not as susceptible to some of those kinds of things that are impinging on us on a regular basis, which act as interrupters into our, our field and causes our body to expend energy responding to all those energetic interrupters. Um, so, so, you yeah, could have the, it conserves our energy. Uh-huh. So, in other words, you could create a quantum field shield that stays with you. Well, you know, the, the question of how long that shield persists after you're you're no longer using the actual device, I don't have I don't really have a lot of data on that, so that I can I can yeah. talk, you know, you know, from my scientific uh-huh. perspective. But sure. um, if you're if you're increasing your energy field, then then even after you turn the unit off, then there is going to be an increase in that. And and we talk about that that increased vitality level that your body has for sure, kind of having a about a 24 hour bell curve kind of direction in it, so that you know it bumps up over oh. the bell curve, and and after about 24 hours, it's gotten back down to baseline. But here's what's interesting. Is, is it doesn't go back to the same level 
it was where you first started, it go the baseline that now you have like a higher baseline than you had before, and and then over time that baseline increases, and so you're actually increasing your vitality level over time as you use this over time, and that gives your body the resources to do just a whole number of things, and I suspect mm-hmm. that it also carries over to what you're talking about as well. Yeah. So, so how, is it, how is it applied? Uh-huh. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I'm so sorry, I, I, how I, is it how does one use how does one use um the device? Oh, question. You know it's it's a device that's designed to go into water. So so it really is comprised of a couple components. You've got a a a power supply that provides a very specific format and and quality of DC power that goes through a cable that connects to a device that's um it's a spherical device, but but about the size of maybe a soup can that is kind of like an array system, and that goes into the water. Now, then you're submerged in the water um, while this is while this process is taking place. So you could use it in a say like a bathtub. That's how it was originally done, where we would get into a bathtub with this thing, um, and then we discovered that we were getting really powerful results with even just putting it in a smaller container of water and just putting uh, one hand in the water, for instance, or putting uh, your feet in a little kind of uh, bath of water. And, and that, from a practicality point of view, a lot of people find that to be really easy to do. They can sit there for 35 minutes with their feet in a the water. They can, they can read. They can meditate. They can do other things. Their hands are free at that point. Um, so I think that's become, at least in a, in a practitioner setting, the... Um, the the most common way of doing it but um from from the point of using it in my home i really appreciate when i do get a chance to do it in a full immersion because it's really profound and i generally i generally use that time uh more from a meditative point of view and i i really really enjoy that but that's the experience of it you you know that generally what you feel is you may feel certain sensations in different parts of your body where you've had previous challenges as your body will focus that, that energy into that arena to help uh, unravel certain previous traumas that may be there. Um, but other than that, it's like I say, it's, it's one of relaxation and calm and um, it's really, it's really quite beneficial. So, so I'm sorry. Are Eddie, you, I, that um, question are you Are, are you seeing any reductions in toxicities? I mean, um, and you were saying that um, there was recent scientific research um, validating and explaining. Um, yeah, I'm, and, and, and I'm just, before I get into that, I think it's I think it's important for the people listening to to kind of get a sense of how this kind of evolved historically, because absolutely. One of the first feedback, you know, a big area of feedback that I started receiving from from healthcare practitioners like naturopaths uh, that I was, um, you know, getting, you know, I, I initially put units out to a group of different practitioners to, to get their feedback. And one of the first things that they were saying very enthusiastically was is they were finding that 
their detox protocols, because typically when, when a naturopath gets somebody new coming in, uh, one of the first things they really want to help them do is help them uh, go through some sort of detox, because typically as their body is low on energy resources, it doesn't have the, re- the energy necessary to, to get rid of the, you know, the, just the huge barrage of toxins from our air, food, and water that most people are exposed to. And that starts to accumulate in the body. And that starts to create a lot of challenges that end up in a, a wide variety of conditions that people go to practitioners to help get them alleviated. And they started saying that when they added this to their existing protocols, that they were seeing much, much faster positive results in helping people eliminate that. But what happened, unfortunately, is people started um, making in a connection between some of the visual material that precipitates in the water as a result of the electrolytic interaction of the electrodes and the field in the water, which creates uh, the precipitation of the minerals and, and different non-water substances that are dissolved in the water, as well as in certain water conditions, creating some degradation of the electrodes themselves, putting iron oxide and things like that in the water. So you do see under certain conditions, material in the water. And some of the folks started saying that that material were actually toxic materials coming out of the body into the water, which there was no basis for. And we put a stop to that very quickly, but they went off and engineered their own technology specifically designed to do that, to create that drama in the water. They completely disregarded the important elements of the technology that had to do with the biofuel generation. And they created this whole subculture of products out there that they called ionic detox foot baths that had nothing to do with the bioenergetic aspect of this, which was very frustrating to me. And a lot of people wanted to believe that that stuff was happening. So this is something very, very different from that. And it wasn't until this past year where this massive amount of science came through where I really felt that I had the ammunition scientific-wise that I was able to go out and say, hey, guys, you know, this is not about what other people have created in other technology. This is about what we've always said, That's that this is bioelectric field enhancement. That was the original Uh, nomenclature describing the technology and now we can prove scientifically that that this is actually restoring the voltage at the cellular level across the cell membranes and as a result of that it's creating an amazing cascade of, of the way the cells are responding epigenetically to what's going on in it that's that's resulting in literally hundreds of significant shifts and genomic expression of gene expression that that moves the cell towards restoring its vital health because cells have the amazing ability to do that when it has the resources and generally when we're exposed to all the challenges in our environment it creates a lower voltage potential on the cell which prevents the cell from carrying out what it's capable of doing under normal circumstances so by restoring that at the cellular level it's enabling our bodies to literally rejuvenate themselves and and regenerate healthy cells at the cellular level which builds up to everything else that we need 
And it's only with this scientific research that is now being published in peer-reviewed scientific journals that I feel the world is ready to understand what the truth behind this technology. I have a question, Michael. Yes. Can you tell the listeners about your affiliate program to help uh, promote and share and distribute and benefit from uh, kind of being a partner in your company? Well, I've, I've always felt that the, the greatest way of sharing information was people sharing from their heart with people that, that they have a relationship with. Uh, we, we're in such a crazy, uh, information-rich society now that um, we've gotten so cynical, you know, because people, people say things, the, the words that they say are so mischaracterized. And I have a good friend of mine that likes to say that words are either designed to reveal or conceal. And, and I think more often than not in today's information-rich society, People are just cynical about what they hear. Um, people make all kinds of wild claims, and they don't seem to care about the validity behind it. So I think that at the end of the day, when people have personal experiences that are meaningful and significant to them, then they feel naturally uh, comfortable in sharing that information with other people, and it carries a lot of weight. And so we basically have you know, created a way that people can um, do that in a way that benefits them um, and, and keep that information going. And, and, I think that that's, and I think that that's good and it's healthy. And that's kind of what we put together. It's uh, just you know, a basic affiliate kind of thing where someone can choose if they want to that, that has a unit, they can share a unit. And if somebody responds and decides to acquire a unit as a result of yeah. that, then, then, they're, then they're able to benefit in taking their time yeah. to share their experience. So, so if listeners want to acquire a unit, they could possibly be supporting Lisa with the show. Is that how that might work? Yes, yes, that's that's very true. We, we've got a website. You know, we're really in the in the early stages of, of getting this new technology out there. The, the inventor, the researcher, myself, have teamed up putting a new company together with, with an updated version of, the technology that the inventor has had, we just literally uh, shipping units as of the last week of December with this new technology that really surpasses everything that has been, been done in the in the past very significantly. Um, and we we currently have a website out there. I'll, the website is is um, BEFE Bioelectric Field Enhancement BEFE Unit UNIT dot com and um, if in the comment section, uh, if somebody decides that they want to acquire one of these, uh, you know, when you're going through the order process, there's a little comment section, and they can just put in their um, uh, slope or Lisa, uh, then then we'll know that it's that it's related to the audience mm -hmm. from this show, and 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 we'll carry it from there. I mean, as we move forward in probably the next month or so, we'll have something a little bit more sophisticated where they won't need to put the comment section in there. But just for right now, we're in the early stages, and I think that that would be um, a very uh, worthwhile thing to do to help support Lisa's work here in, in getting such great information and concepts out to make an impact on the planet. Mm, that's a beautiful link. So tell, tell listeners some of what you've seen um, 
changes that you've seen in people? Um, because obviously, as you're saying, when the system is reset and restored, um, problems must go away. What What have you well, been yeah. seeing? Well, I mean, over the 10 years that I was heavily involved in helping getting this technology out there, I saw just unbelievable things, things, frankly, that I didn't think were possible. Um, I, you know, did a lot of work because I didn't have this strong scientific basis. I was always looking for ways of validating it. I mean, we saw how it um, immediately impacts acupuncture meridians in a very powerful way with the flow of energy moving through the body. Um, I did a clinical study looking at how it affected brain waves, uh, you know, impacting in a positive way the the um, theta and delta brain waves. So that really validates, you know, the sense of calm and peacefulness that people experience. I saw brain hemisphere coherence uh, increasing, you know, left and right brain hemisphere coherence. Um, and we saw that impacting a lot of people that had emotional, psychological challenges. We saw uh, a lot of children that had a lot of challenges from a wide variety of of problems, uh, you know, that parents have with children, whether it's behavior issues or things that have uh, various different uh, labels associated with it, major, making a major impact on that. Uh, children that have never, you know, been able to speak, um, never being able to emotionally connect with their with their parents, now having inter, you know emotional interactions, now speaking, now writing, uh, being able to go back into normal school. Uh, we've seen people that were told to basically get their affairs in order, um, get back into normal life and, you know, continue normal life after that. Uh, again, um, obviously, we're, we're not talking about, you know, making medical claims in this, but I have such a profound sense of the miraculous nature of our bodies and, and as a a, you know, a molecular biologist, what happens even at the unfathomable complexity within just a single cell, that when we restore our bodies to fix ourselves, our bodies have incredible resilience, incredible ability to, to, to basically restore a lot of different conditions that have various labels on it. Uh, and those are just labels based on what particular group of cells have become dysfunctional. And if you can restore the functionality of those cells, our bodies can basically restore themselves in many cases. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a genetic, psychological, neurophysiological reset. Well, well, again, you know, I, I chalk it up to how profound our bodies are and the intelligence our own bodies have, you know, within, you know, and, um, and yeah, I think this is an amazing technology to help recreate the conditions to allow that process to be restored. Um, and there's all kinds of thing, areas on this. And, and the truth is, like, you know, at least I say the truth that I perceive is, is that we're much more than, than physical beings. We have the emotional, we have, we have mental, we have spiritual components to us. And they're not individual. They don't exist independently. They're, it's all one. We're just looking at various aspects of it. So by affecting, you know, if you're affecting all those different aspects, then it's a good thing. Oh, amazing. Hmm. Well, I think I better put this on my budget here in the next few weeks or so. And uh, do you have uh, 
I guess you're going to have a finance plan in the future for people that maybe they need to make payments. Is that something that might be happening well, in the that, or so? Well, that's that's definitely a high priority for us, and um, and for sure, as soon as we have something that like that in place, we'll be getting the word out on it. That's great. Maybe we'll have you back on in the future. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Definitely. I mean, we haven't really touched on very much of the specific science. I mean, the science is breathtaking for people that like that kind of stuff, like me. <laughs> but I can tell you, yes, I went to, I went to hear the um, the PhD dissertation when when Dr. Purnell was defending her PhD on her years of research around this, and it was jaw dropping information, and, and not just for me, but for for everybody that's that's scientifically inclined that's been looking at this information. And on our website, befeunit.com, we have links to uh, some of the recent, recently publicated, re- recent released publications in, the, in you know, peer-reviewed science, one in a wound healing journal and another in a, a journal called Medical Discoveries, I mean, Discovery Medicine Journal, which uh, basically is talking about the mechanism of action of how this is actually impacting the voltage across the cell membranes and you know and how significant that is and by the way no one's been able to actually do that and be able to prove they've done it and explain how it's being done so this is really yeah. a very groundbreaking paper that's come out and then there's plants i understand a tomato was soaked in the water it lasted how long it wasn't refrigerated i'm sorry could you repeat that oh i heard a story that a tomato was put in the water and it lasted yeah. Well, you know, we did so that. Now when we, I'm thinking about greenhouses and agriculture and plants. We we actually did experiments along those lines where we took, you know, more than just tomatoes. We did it with a variety of different kinds of vegetables where we would take the vegetables and have untreated versions just kind of sitting out over time and taking, you know, photography of it over time and then putting you know, with the with the treated group, taking those vegetables and putting them into the water in for this 35-minute session, and then taking those out and and com- doing comparative photography. And yeah, I mean, because we're talking about raising the vitality level, and you uh-huh. raise the vitality level, and you would think that you're going to have longer shelf life, so to speak. Uh, uh, uh-huh. And you know, with the tomatoes, I remember it was really interesting because not only did they last way longer. Than, than the ones uh, uh, when we actually cut them open and it was still a firm tomato, even though there were a few parts on the outside that were starting to look bad, uh, that this, you know, there we found seeds inside the tomato that were actually sprouting, and I'd never seen that before. So I thought that was really interesting. So yeah, that's a that's a, a an interesting visual. There's a lot about this that really, like I say, there's way more to this than just the simple concept of hey, let's generate bioenergy and restore our cellular function. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though if we can well, do let's that, go in, you know. Yes, please. Let's go into the. Let's go. Let's go into the science of it and what these studies are showing, so listeners understand. Oh sure. Well, again, the 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 inventor early on had had told us that, and that's Terry that that. Um, that it would be restoring the voltage of the cells. And and we measured using bioimpedance that, that we were seeing indicators to that. You know, the, the cells act as little batteles. And you know, and, and from more from an electronic 
perspective, they act as little capacitors where they store electrical energy. And, and the amount of energy that's stored, the capacitance of it is, is used in hospitals. Bioimpedance is used to measure people that typically are uh, wrestling with wasting types of conditions because the bio, the, the capacitance of the body, which is the accumulation of all the cells, um, degrades as, uh, you know, our health condition degrades. And so we saw that we were increasing capacitance. We also measured with bioimpedance that we were restoring the right uh, compartmentalization is what they call it of water, meaning the amount of water that's inside of our cells versus outside of our cells to the, the level that's considered healthy. You know, if there's too much water outside of our cells compared to inside of our cells, then that, that's not a good situation. And that typically happens when our body's really fighting a lot of um, toxins and things of that nature. It's trying to dilute these toxins, helping getting it out of the body. But it, so we saw it restore that level. But being able to make a claim that it's restoring the voltage on the cell membrane, for me, from a scientific point of view, without being able to have any validation on it, was, was not a comfortable place for me when I was sitting down with doctors and researchers. And so one of the first things that Dr. Purnell was able to show in her research that absolutely it was making a big difference on what's called the hyperpolarization of the cell membranes which means that it's that it's it, that the cell membranes are becoming significantly more negative and and there there's charts in the scientific literature that show that a normal healthy cell has a voltage across the membrane generally of around 70 to 90 millivolts and and if that goes down then the cell becomes more dysfunctional less capable of responding to uh, in, in, to information cues and functioning normally. Uh, when it goes down significantly low, it's associated with a lot of really serious conditions. So being able to raise that voltage to, to a healthy level is important, and that's one of the things that she was able to show uh, with the technology. But um, what was really remarkable and what really caught my attention um, was is that she started looking at what what results were happening with the genetic expression as a result of this stuff? Like, what did that actually do in the cellular level? What changes did it put into motion? And she was hoping to see maybe three or four genes that its expression was affected and, you know, was either expressing more, which is called upregulation, or expressing less, which is called downregulation. I mean, you want genes that do positive things to be upregulated, and you want genes that may do negative things uh, to be downregulated. And so she was hoping to see three or four of these, you know, genes to be impacted. And when the data came back, she was kind of overwhelmed because it was hundreds of genes and even, even a couple of thousand genes that were significantly up or down regulated, significant meaning more than a twofold change, more than more than you know, a hundred percent change in the expression was considered significant. Those were the ones that she saw, and there were countless mores that were below that threshold. I've seen in scientific work related to various different natural products, supplements, things of that nature, where people getting really excited about, you know, a twelve percent increase or a thirty percent increase or a twenty, you know, twenty percent increase. 
uh, but we're talking about over a hundred percent in some cases, you know, thousands of a percent increase in the benefits of significant genes. And so she was looking at that information and then she focused in on uh, a group of, of specific genes that kind of were involved in some very important pathways um, related to the cell. And the, the pathway that really kind of stood out initially in her research was a pathway that has to do with something called uh, the unfolded protein response. Let me uh, just get a quick drink of water here. And so this was really important. And, and frankly, I wasn't very aware of this, but let me kind of put this in perspective. <coughs> when, when our cells are, are doing things, uh, you know, in many ways, the cell membrane acts kind of like the brain of the cell, the nucleus where the DNA is, is kind of the hard drive of the cell. Dr. Bruce Limpton talks about that in his book, Bio Biology of Belief, a very, very you know, excellent book. But it carries, the DNA carries out a series of instructions, and, and it tells the cell basically what to do, how to do it. And the way those instructions are carried out is through the use of different proteins. So most people don't realize that when DNA is, is actually doing its job, when it's coding for something to happen, it's coding for amino acid sequences that form proteins. That's what it codes for, proteins. Uh, and these amino acids are kind of created. It's like a little assembly line where these amino acids are created and put together like like beads on a strand of beads. And then in order for that protein to actually become functional, that strand of beads kind of folds together in a three-dimensional configuration rather than just this linear strand of beads. And it's that three-dimensional configuration that forms like these lock and key mechanisms that allow the protein to do very specific things. Some of those proteins are enzymes. They're different proteins that, that basically orchestrate what happens in the cell. And this all happens as folding happens within a certain uh, place in the cell that's called the endoplasmic reticulum, okay, big fancy name. Uh, simply called the ER in cells. And when that folding process becomes compromised, it creates something called ER stress. And the easiest way to think of that is just imagine this assembly line where you've got these strand of beads that are being created from the DNA through the ribosomes, the, the RNA and the ribosomes, and you know, the biology that's involved there. It creates these strands of amino acid chains. It goes into this ER place where these folding, where the folding takes place, and it's like an assembly line. I mean, imagine like an on-ramp to a highway where the cars are getting onto the on-ramp. That would be the, the amino acid chains going into this ER. And on the highway, uh, say there's an accident, there's a backup, there's traffic on the highway, and the cars can no longer go into the on-ramp, so you have all this congestion, all this backup. Well, that's what happens in ER stress. And when ER stress happens, it creates a signaling process in the cell to fix it. That signaling process is called the unfolded protein response. And if you Google unfolded protein response and the name of any health challenge that somebody may be concerned about, you'll see literally tens of thousands of hits 
related to that particular thing. And it turns out that the unfolded protein response is directly related to practically every chronic challenge that afflicts us. And because it all goes back to the proteins being able to orchestrate what happens in the cells. Now, what she found in her research that she's in the process of publishing is that this unfolded protein response, the the stress, the CR stress is being alleviated in dysfunctional cells. And what happens is in the signaling process, there's the cell either works to restore the normal function. It tries to fix the congestion, remove the accident, take it off the highway so that the, you know, everything flows again. And if it's not able to do that, it triggers what's called apoptosis, which is cell suicide. It literally presses the self-destruct switch in the cell so that it can no longer be problematic because the way the way everything works is our cells make up the tissues, the tissues make up our organs, the organs make up the systems. It all starts with the cells and cells divide. And if you've got a damaged cell that has challenges going on, when it divides, then you're going to end up with two damaged cells. And when they divide, you get four and eight and 16 and so forth. And And in many ways, the accumulation of damaged cells is really what's responsible for the aging process itself, as well as, you know, all these various challenges that we have with various different labels, depending upon which cells are accumulating damage and the results that that, that creates. And so if the, if the damaged cells can, can basically get out of the way by self-destructing and allowing nearby healthy cells to take their place, then that in, in a very rare sense, real sense is describing the healing process itself. And so if you're replacing damaged cells with healthy cells, then you are literally becoming biologically younger, so to speak. And, you know, and that kind of takes place on this. So this is really significant information because, you know, nobody's been able to really figure out how to deal with this unfolded protein response. You know, the, the conventional, you know, pharmaceutical companies have been spending literally, you know, tens, probably hundreds of millions of dollars to try and find a magic bullet in their, you know, domain to deal with that, that they have not been able to do. And yet here, this very simple device, you know, that's very easy to use is creating results that nobody has ever dreamed of being able to achieve. And that's, that's the power of this research that's just coming out. And is Terry still alive and is he involved? I've been kicking, um, yeah. He's alive and kicking, and 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 he's you know very very prolific in his understanding of uh, how to harness the the you know the mathematics and the understanding that he used to create this in the first place to take that further to to start putting into design uh, you know future you know iterations of this that are able to do way more than even what we're doing now. So uh, there's a lot of possibilities that are going to come to fruition as a result of this. So this is really just the beginning of the release of, I believe, remarkable technology that's going to impact us on this planet in a very, very profound way, in a very positive way, understanding as he's able to do some very important understandings of water, of energy, of atomic structure that 
I have never seen anybody else articulate in the fashion that he has. And frankly, in the beginning, I was skeptical. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure that what he was saying was whether he was, you know, this amazing genius kind of guy, kind of like somebody on Star Trek beaming into your living room and saying, hey, take a look at what's coming in the future. Here it is, uh, you know, wondering whether it was real. And as a scientist, seeing the scientific validation of basically what he had been saying all along really gives me a much greater sense of conviction and confidence that what he is saying and where he's going with future development is a place that is really worthwhile to participate in and to help make a reality. And that's our vision with this company, Electroceutics, to be able to get this technology out that and to create a an economic model that will allow us to bring out future technologies that can have, you know, dramatic impact in a whole number of different areas on the planet. What are you envisioning? Well, uh, you know, there's 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 very very powerful aspects of it that are simple uh, offshoots of the technology for water purification, uh, for agricultural impact. I mean. Uh, we see how uh, the water that's been that's been treated with this device makes a very very profound impact on the quality of, of plants. They the plants thrive just like the cells thrive. Plants are made up of cells as well. We see that uh, along with many many are other. You, are phenomenal you seeing breakers. any? Are you seeing any impact on <clears throat> radiation um, impact? Well, again, you know, in conversations with Terry, you know, he would say, "Oh yeah, no problem. We can we can take that and we can we can remove the negative things that are in the water, whether it's a, a you know, a toxin, whether it's a, a you know, a contamination of a radioactive t- contamination or otherwise." Uh, again, you know, for some of the listeners, they may find some of this kind of, you know, out of the box. Uh, but, you know, Terry talks about being able to change things at a level of, of you know, that, that I think Eddie would put into the realm of the quantum area, uh, you know, and from a programming point of view, Terry would basically say, oh, well, you know, we can just decompile that information and it's no longer there. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can call it alchemy, yeah. you can call it what you end, but it's a matter of understanding the the way things interact and the way information interacts, you know, of everything being energy and information, um, to to be able to change things. So so yeah, I I see huge possibilities with that. But you know, the scientist of me is like, okay, you know, let me see see it scientifically. Let me see the results in it. But I can tell you, I'm excited about the possibilities of it uh, for moving forward to see that. And then having something like that could make a huge impact, as you can imagine. Well, they call the quantum field the field of all possibilities. Anything can be changed to anything, but I think what's encouraging is the quantum field seems to support eradicating disorder in any system, any living system. This is my theory, but this is what I stand by having studied quantum mechanics and talked to many physicists, theoretical and applied for decades, but this is how I see the quantum field and the value of this device, which is beginning to tap 
that field of all possibilities. Well, I think that's very true. I, I think um, that any honest uh, scientist would get to the point where the more they know, the more they realize how little they know. Um, you know, the biggest challenge that I think we've had over the last, you know, couple hundred years is a certain arrogance where people think that they've figured it all out. You know, just how in the, the late 1800s, the physicists and chemists of that day felt like they discovered all there is to discover, that, you know, comments were being made that, you know, there's nothing left to discover in physics. And look at, you know, then all of a sudden they started, you know, finding out about dark body, dark body and information and radiation that mm -hmm. wasn't in their paradigm. Mm -hmm. And it birthed the whole yep. quantum mechanics area of things. Yep. Well, I feel like we're kind of at the same stage right now yep. where there's yep. yet a whole nother uh, massive breakthrough, if I could okay. use the term a quantum breakthrough, meaning that it's, you know, a shift, complete shift in paradigm. Uh, I think that there's way more that we don't know that we do know. There's there's a lot yeah. of uh, anomalies in scientific uh -huh. uh, theory that just don't jive. Yeah. Uh, you know, the yeah. current theories and, and are not explaining these various things. So I think there's way more to know to that when you look at something at from a higher level, then things that seem yeah. mysterious are no longer yeah. mysterious. They become obvious, and yeah. we're just moving through yeah. that process. When you look at the quantum computer and look that up on the Internet, listeners, where there's like unbelievable calculations per second by harnessing the quantum field in computing. So that's why I think Yo Terry uh, a lot for the door that he's opening because it just seems to be one immense cosmic golden door. Many, many possibilities of regeneration, virtually with almost any problem, uh, potentially, theoretically. This is the way. Again, this is the way I see it. But I do, I do, am very convinced that that field of all possibilities can be harnessed. And he is one of the first scientists to really do that. So I have my hats are really off. Well, you know, Terry's a is a is a pretty remarkable guy, but he's he's also pretty much down to earth. I mean, he, you know, I, I, I find him kind of being resistant to go off hypothesizing about things that he doesn't have direct perceptual, you know, um, yeah. experience yeah. with. He, he just likes sure. to say that he sees things to him that are very obvious, that are not obvious to other people. And he understands mm -hmm. how things work. And, you know, and he's able to put things together to take advantage of that understanding. Um, okay. But there's there's a whole lot of stuff that we just don't get. And as a result of it, um, we're suffering the consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I look forward to 2.0 quantum. Uh, whatever that might be. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure we know he's still in the lab working on that. So that's. As a matter of fact, can you foresee what the next model might be like? I, I, was, I think you told me in another conversation there was a, a very, it's a little bit pricey, but it's more like gold and platinum discs in the unit than have a subtle, more subtle effect. Well, there's a lot of different iterations of it. Um, uh, being mm -hmm. able to create a much more um, comprehensive unit that's able to be tuned for certain things. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, like to talk too much about you know, future wear, vaporware, new, new things out there. Cause you know, many of these different things are probably, 
um, you know, year or two or more down the road in development time. And I don't want to take mm-hmm. the emphasis or or reduce how profound what we have here today uh, is able to do immediately in people's lives. And, um, you know, and I think that's really the crux of what we're, what we're really seeing is, is that we've got something with our current uh, biologic, bioelectric, you know, field enhancement unit that can immediately make an impact, a profound impact for so many mm-hmm. people. Frankly, I think this is something that everybody ought to have. I mean, it, it's extraordinary. I can't tell you, you know, times where I've, you know, accidentally burned myself, um, you know, something simple like that while I'm cooking and, you know, and how quickly the response is with that. I mean, it's almost like it never even happened. Um, using it very quickly. I've had times here in Arizona, we've got the misfortune of, of uh, having scorpions in our home from time to time, more often in the summertime. Um, you know, uh-huh. so a couple times I, I've, I've gotten stung by scorpions and immediately I'll go and pull the device uh-huh. out and uh, it's just amazing uh-huh. in a matter of minutes. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's very much like it hadn't happened or, or dramatically, you know, in a very short period of time, like it hadn't happened um, yeah. and that sort of thing. So, I mean, from that point of view, it's extremely useful, but, you know, I've had a lot of personal experiences with it, with, you know, having a lot of discomfort from my back along the legs culminating from my back that normally it would take me multiple sessions of going out, you know, getting adjustments and things of that nature to alleviate. And then I find just Uh getting in a bathtub with this thing, uh, you know, those, those things would be gone, you know, 35 minutes later, I'm kind of like forgotten it was even there. So if um, if you put two units in in the same container, would it, Amp it up all the more, or that would not be necessary. No, no. There's, there's, there's way more energy than you can benefit by in this with a single unit in a single session. The limiting feature isn't the amount of energy. The limiting feature is the capacity for your body to be able to assimilate uh, what it's able to use, and that's going to be a function of your level of vitality. So your your body's never going to 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 be able to use more than it can. Uh, handle at a certain time it's got the intelligence to know what that is and uh, uh-huh. to be able to use that so um, that's so again that's not the, the you know the self-limiting aspect of that is our own bodies and and the intelligence will will monitor that and allow that process to take place so people that are or are way way less vital and having health challenges as a result of that um, you know, they're they're going to be slowly raising their vitality level. But once they get to a certain threshold, they'll see some really remarkable changes start to occur. So, yeah, no, no, no need to, you know, ramp this up. You know, we, we tend to think that more, faster, bigger, better mm-hmm. is kind mm-hmm. of the way we look at things. But um, I, I just didn't want to take away from how profound the existing technology really is today. Yeah. Well, uh, when do you think the new model might, the tunable model might actually be on the market in another month or two? Well, I, again, I'm, I'm foreseeing years along those lines. Oh, um, I see. Just because, see. you know, it's going to require a significant capital to create it and then to go through all the engineering, all the programming, all the testing. Uh, you know, these things don't happen. That quickly. The the thing that's remarkable about this existing technology is it represents 20 years of development. 
that's mm-hmm. that's that's happened and been improved upon, and this version of it is that you know as a result of that, the the unit that we've been talking about, this tunable level, that's that's a a dramatic departure from the existing model, the existing deployment of the technology, and again, that's going to require years of development as well. It's just something that that we've talked about from the point of view of how important it is to do it, you know, in terms of, of carrying that off. But but again, for our listeners, that's not something to anticipate, and you know, you know, it's not like the next iPhone coming out. So how did what led what led Terry to move in this direction? <laughs> well, that's a that's a pretty interesting story. Like I say, Terry has a certain understanding um of the way things tick, you know, and it and it forms what he calls a a, a ter- tertiary mathematical configuration. And ultimately what led to this, you know, there was a series of events that led to this one particular guy asking him a question, uh, you know, very tongue in cheek, you know, knowing, knowing this guy, how tongue in cheek he really is. He kind of challenged Terry to build something that would basically alleviate basically all the health challenges that were out there. And Terry sat down and uh, after a, a short period of time, a matter of probably five or 10 minutes, uh, put together the mathematics uh, that were required to build this technology. And then it took, you know, probably a couple of years to take that mathematics and get it to the point of having a a technology that would be able to be manufactured commercially to be able to be deployed on the marketplace. Uh, that really took probably about three years. And, and in my experience, it was really more like four or five years to get it to the point of, it being being really um, very commercial commercial and um, you know that's what happens you take a you take an idea that can be symbolic mathematically and then you got to translate it into the the bits and pieces necessary to do that and then put that together in a way that it can be put together uh, in a manufactured way that's going to deliver the results so um, he was asked that and as a result of those two or three years of taking that idea, it led to the creation of a company in Australia. Uh, and then once they had that, they came over to the United States. I met them at that point. I basically got it. I resonated with what they were doing. And I decided that I wanted to assist them to get that technology out there. That was beginning in 1999. And for 10 years, that's exactly what I was doing. Um, and, you know, so a very simple question, tongue-in-cheek, led to the development of a technology that I think has profound uh, benefits for, uh, you know, all of us in society. So there you have it. Bob, any questions? <clears throat> yes, thank you, Lisa. And. Um... Wow, Michael, I've listened to every word you've spoken, and I've listened to Eddie's comments as well. What a show you have, Lisa. Thank you so much. But I'm up in Canada, Michael, and I want to know where I could get one of those units and and uh, and and perhaps become an affiliate uh, to promote it. Um, do you a have problem. a this way? I'm in I'm in southern Ontario. 
Sure, sure. We've we've shipped products over to Ontario, to Montreal. I mean, to Quebec, to um, BC. We we've done a lot of different things. Um, so yeah, it's not a problem. We 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 were able to ship basically drop ship around the world. Um, so yeah, again, it's in the early stages of it, Bob. But you're certainly welcome um, to get the information. Go to beefyunit.com. Um, you can. Um, yeah, you know, I get, can, I get can request, research request more information, there. and yep. I'd be happy to get back to you. Okay, deal, because uh, what you're talking about and what Eddie is uh, assisted with, with quantum mechanics and quantum physics, um, uh, you know, I was in Sarasota, Florida about a year ago at a, a place called the Rejuvenation Center, which, um, among other things, they have a... Uh, a, a room that uh, produces scalar waves that relaxes people in a profound way in a few minutes. And um, they also have a garden, a hydroponic garden, uh, growing um, vegetables in the back, and they allow people from the Salvation Army to come over and and help them in, the, in, in that field. And also, then they can take whatever they need free uh, out of there. But I mean, uh, this technology sounds totally amazing. And I, I think obviously it's on the cutting edge. And I want to be involved in some way to promote this technology. Well, fantastic. I really appreciate you kind of feeling that that was the same way I felt after I got exposed to it. And, um, and that certainly it's the way I feel about it now. Very, uh, very much so. So yeah, uh, all hands the better. Agreed. Thank you. You're very welcome. Wonderful. Eddie, any other questions? Okay. I think he may not be with us. Um, Michael, again, please uh, tell listeners where they can learn more. Okay, sure. So, uh, the best place to go right now is uh, B as in boy, E as in Edward, F as in Frank, E as in Edward, uh, unit, uh, Uncle Nancy India Tom, <laughs> BP, I've never had those military code things that, that work so well, but it's BEFE, which stands for Bioelectric Field Enhancement, Bioelectric Field Enhancement Unit. Dot com and uh, again it's it's not a huge information site we're just kind of populating it with information it was originally put up as as a shopping cart site for people that wanted to go and acquire the technology but we're we're adding more to it uh, again in the comment section should you actually uh, go to acquire a unit please in the comment section put either slope or Lisa so that we're able to give credit where credit is due for the listeners of the show and in the comment section you can also um, say things like please um, you know please get in touch with me or ask you know I want to have more questions or I, I and I um, would like to say and I don't know the answer to this well I, I probably shouldn't put it out there because I don't know whether we have take email at that address but the but the, the name of our company is Electrosudix, 
just like nutraceutics but electroceutics or pharmaceutics but electroceutics, which is basically right. a, 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 a term that is used to imply electromagnetic uh, impacts that create uh, you know, changes in the body at the cellular level, at the biological level. It's not a term we made up. But if you go to uh, info at electroceutics.com, that email address, you can uh, ask for, uh, you can ask questions, you can, you know, that you can communicate to us through that. That's info at electroceutics, uh, E-L-E-C-T-R-O-C-E-U-T-I-C-S.com. And uh, we'd be happy to communicate. And um, again, you know, we're we're kind of in the infancy of uh, this new company coming out, but it's not the infancy of having experience with this technology and getting it to the market. But as I said earlier, um, as a result of this scientific research, I have a very strong compulsion to go out there and set the record straight and tell people how profound this technology is. And... Um, to steer people in the right direction because there really is a lot of uh, misinformation out there, a lot of confusion relative to people with these other types of footpath units out there that are designed just to create a bunch of uh, electrolytic precipitation in the water and have people think that that's toxins coming out of their body. Now, one one thing that, that I'd like to mention is that as as I talk about that there are places in nature where the right conditions exist that allow a higher amount of bioenergy in the water. And that's why these legendary places people have been going to for hundreds and even thousands of years. Well, you can create some aspects of a biofield really using iron bearing electrodes and DC power, and you're going to get some conversion. Uh, so even with some of these other units, people are getting some benefits of it, but it's, radically different having the very precise design that Terry has that's specifically tuned to the water to in his vernacular hypercharge the water that allows this conversion to take place you know you know orders of magnitude more than it's happening accidentally with some of these other units that may be on the market so uh, that's why I really feel it's important to, to for people to understand that um, to be able to really leverage this technology in a way that's going to make a huge impact for the people that are coming to them to experience these different sessions in their practices. Um, and so they can really get the full benefit from this. So are there practitioners in various areas that you can connect people to if they want to go and experience yeah. it through someone who's... Well, currently, uh, Currently, not so much. Yeah, currently not so much because the the majority of practitioners out there that give quote unquote foot baths um, are are not using our technology or um, some of the earlier earlier variants of the technology. They're using other types of things, um, and I, I no longer have that original company where we had those people to refer people to. But that is definitely something that we'll have and we'll start uh, making that information available on our website as we do start having practitioners that we can showcase uh, where people can go and they can avail themselves of receiving these, these sessions. So yeah, that's something we very much are looking forward to do in a big way. 
And as we move with newer versions of this, we'll, of course, we'll harness the new aspects on technology where people will be able to have an app where they can literally, you know, download the free app on their phone and they would know exactly where they can go. That's that's where we're seeing it go. But, you know, again, we're a little bit away from that. We're, we're we got to take baby steps before we can run. And and that's that's the stage we're in. So we're looking for people to kind of be the early, uh, the innovators and early adopters with us right now in this particular space to um, carry the torch to, you know, resonate with what we're doing and, and um, you know, get, get the word out there. Wonderful. Well, what else do you want to tell listeners, Michael? Well, you know, again, I, I, Recommend people take a look at their information, uh, get their questions answered, find out how how useful this really is. Um, uh, you know, certainly uh, experience the unit, uh, acquire the unit. You know, we have people that get various family members together to get it. You know, typically in a practitioner setting, somebody would go in and they would pay for a session depending upon where it is, uh, you know, whether it's a, you know, what the economic regions are of the country, those sessions could be anywhere from like $35 to $80 a session that these practitioners charge for people to come in and get a session. And then generally what happens is people would then buy a, a package of sessions, uh, you know, 10 sessions for a discounted amount based on what the individual price per session is. And then they experience this, and then they say, well, gee, you know, I, I want to get one of these things uh, so that I can, you know, use it in the in the comfort of my own home, and other family members can use it. And, it, you know, at that point, it becomes way more economically uh, uh, feasible for them to acquire their own technology. These units uh, cost $2,500 uh, to get a unit. Um, so if you're looking at paying, you know, 40 40 sessions, uh, you know, 10 sessions for maybe $350 and you want to do that for a long period of time, you're seeing, you're seeing that, that this, you know, immediately gives you an instant return for what it can do for yourself, for, you know, your family members using it. Uh, all my family uses, uses the technology. I remember, you know, as my son growing up, you know, many, many times uh, using it, you know, he was getting like, you know, as a lot of children had, and I had when I was young, you know, where I would have all these pains in my legs, uh, you know, growing pains that my mother used to call them. And, you know, the same thing was happening with my kid. And I'd have him in there, you know, in the on the, on the sink, you know, just sitting on the counter with his feet in the sink with this thing in it, uh, you know, countless times at weird hours of the night where he was awakened, crying and, and, and that sort of thing, you know, and so it's definitely a great a great thing to have around the home for a lot of reasons. So it's way more than just something you want to get for somebody with a severe medical condition. Uh, you know, that's kind of what I, I want to put out there that, you know, there's so many things out there that people think about in terms of, well, I've got uh, this person I know or that person I know that's in really bad shape and, you know, they need to know about this. I just want to encourage people to realize how important this is uh, for maintaining quality of life uh, for what it does for our quality of lifestyle, for our mental peace, for 
being able to reduce stress in our lives in such a profound way um, in that, you know, to avail themselves of that and, um, and really how meaningful that could be for them. Yes. Wonderful. So, Bob, any other questions? Um, well, more of a statement than a question, Lisa, I could, Michael, I see this could be an incredible, um, opportunity for professional sports teams to acquire, uh, as well as what you've been talking about. And perhaps that would help the Toronto Maple Leafs come back and win the Stanley Cup after 50 <laughs> years or so. Um, well, you know, <laughs> we have seen, we have seen really good results. Uh, you know, whether they're just looking to be able to train harder, more frequently, whether they're looking to recover from, you know, injuries out, you know, in the playing field. Um, we've seen a lot of that. And interestingly enough, in the, the genomics research, Dr. Purnell has specifically seen uh, significant upregulation on genes that are related to repair of muscles. And in actuality, she's uh, organizing a clinical trial, um, hopefully sometime in the spring, uh, specifically on that, that we'll be able to have the, the scientific validation relative to that, specifically to be able to go to athletes and personal trainers and weight and condition, you know, strength and conditioning sure. coaches and and uh, sports doctors and things of that nature. Uh, we've already seen it anecdotally for years and years and years, um, and but having that scientific component really goes a long way when you're talking to professionals. I totally agree, and I truly resonate with everything you've said, Michael. And um, I'll, you'll, I'll be in touch with you. I look forward to it, by all means. And, and my last name is, is my last name is Challenger. <laughs> okay, well, that's an easy one to remember. Uh, I remember being connect, you know, you know, being asked to connect with Bob Challenger. So, so yeah, it. again, that's info at electroceutics dot com. Gotcha. And you'll and you so go to beefyunit.com if you have any confusion of the spelling of the name, you'll you'll yep. see the name of the company right there, beefyunit.com. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Just thank you so much and to Terry and looking forward to uh, helping get this vital breakthrough to um, to a needy population globally. Thank you very much. Oh, well, you're very welcome. I mean, in, in many ways, it's a labor of love. Uh, it's a passion. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, when you're doing something that you have that sense of mission about it, it really changes the whole dynamics of it. Uh, just as yourself doing with this radio show and, and with your other speakers that you have, I'm sure you have them on the show specifically for that reason, um, because they really are looking to be a positive influence uh, in the lives of the people around them and the lives of the planet. And um, I think we're in an age where we're going to see many, many breakthroughs come through. 
Um, many, many that have been out there perhaps that never saw the light of day for whatever reasons that people wanted to keep them from seeing the light of day. I, I oh. think we're at a time where we're going to be seeing that from many, many different areas around the world with a lot of people that are given uh, great gifts of information to be able to carry it out there. And, you know, I see this as kind of part of that overall trend that I believe from a very positive point of view we're going to be experiencing. Yes, yes, thank you. Well, thank you, um, Bob, for um, being part of this conversation as well. Um, anything you'd like to say in closing? Um, well, you, you know, Michael, I have, uh, I'm 73 years old, so I've been exposed to a lot of uh, presentations. And I must say that your presentation this afternoon or this morning, wherever you are, <laughs> um, came across so clearly without any hype, without anything that I would have a, my, a red flag would go up for me that you're, you know, and you speak so clearly. And I just want to thank you for that. And Lisa, I'm so glad this show is being recorded because I'm going to be running out tomorrow and telling people to listen to this and, and getting some participation and, um, be ordering one of these devices from Michael. So thank you. Well, thank you. And that, that is that is why uh, we're doing this, because as we bring solutions and people hear about good things, then the solutions spread around the world. So thank you both. And um, look forward to um, to visiting again, Michael. Okay. Well, it's indeed uh, my pleasure, and um, anytime, uh, be happy to uh, continue the conversation. Um, maybe uh, we could do another time where we can have a couple other callers that can explain their personal experiences. Perhaps we can have uh, Dr. Purnell explain. The, the experience that she went through, I, I just if we if we have another minute or so, I would like to share a little bit about that because I think it's such a great story. Is that okay? Yes, please. Yes, please. So so just just imagine the situation. Um, Dr. Purnell, she's a, a nurse practitioner. At the time she started investigating this, I think she was around 50 years old, and. Um, or some somewhere along those lines, I you know I I don't know for sure. But that's kind of what I I understand. Um, and she had a colleague that passed, uh, being you know dealing with the health challenge, and that you know they were concerned about her and her other colleagues. And one of her other colleagues had suggested she investigate this particular technology, uh, which she did. And. Uh, where she she got she found a day spa that had one of these units, and in the spa itself they were characterizing it as one of these detox devices. They even had these these crazy charts that said that you know this color in the water means this and that color in the water means that, and and she felt that you know scientifically that didn't make any sense to her. But when she actually experienced it, she felt profoundly things going on in her energy field and also in issues that she personally was dealing with. And that, that inspired her to reach out and, 
trying to understand more of this. Now, what she did in her profession as a nurse was working with uh, overseeing a lot of clinical types of scenarios. So she decided she wanted to do some clinical research on the technology and was told that uh, she couldn't do that unless she had a PhD. She already had a master's degree and she was already on the faculty of University of Memphis uh, in their nursing school. Um, but she, they said, no, you got to have a PhD to do this. So she went over to the University of Tennessee and uh, enrolled in a PhD program there. Uh, she had a friend that was on the faculty that helped get her enrolled. And that woman said, um, you know, let's get, get yourself in and start working on your academic information. Uh, she ended up being transferred to NIH and said, uh, you know, I'll be back in about a year. And by then you should be ready to start, you know, doing some of your research and I can help you out. Just focus on your coursework for now. Well, that woman never came back. And so she was in this environment. Uh, the department head and the other faculty members were looking at her kind of askance. You know, this is a 50-year-old grandmother nurse practitioner who wanted to do her PhD research on this, what they perceived as a bizarre technology. And the, the, uh, the head of the department came to her and said, look, and he was, you know, he was just trying to brush it off, you know, why don't you do some research on something more meaningful to what we're doing? Typically, people doing their PhD research find different areas that's, you know, that supports the research being done by, by the department in different ways that's, that's additive. Um, but, he, you know, so this doing research on this device was completely out of the box. And he said, prove, prove to me this does anything at all. And so initially she instructed him to do a, a simple experiment uh, treating water with this device and using it to uh, grow a group of plants. In the case, they they grew a group of strawberry plants with the treated water versus a group of strawberry plants with the untreated water and uh, saw major changes. He called her back in and said, okay, well, this is obviously doing something. Let's start you know, using this treated water uh, to culture cells with it. And they started culturing cells and uh, seeing the cells respond dramatically uh, to this and, um, and certain other cells, um, you know, not responding dramatically. And that led to years of research that she went through, you know, and the, and the university didn't give her any stipend. They didn't give her any research money. She had to work three different nursing jobs in order to self-fund her research and her PhD coursework, everything through that, you know, within an environment of, of intense opposition and ridicule. And pretty soon she started getting some amazing results and being able to start receiving some awards and grants that, that the department never had access before. And by the time her, uh, when it, by the time it came for her to actually defend her her dissertation, which she did last January, a year ago, when I went out there for that, the, a room where typically they would have maybe a dozen people at the defense, the dissertation defense, and typically the majority of them are faculty members and maybe, you know, the parents of the student. Uh, this room was packed out, over 100 people standing room only, because people were realizing and there was the buzz out there that this was really significant breakthrough research that, that had never happened before in this department. And, you know, the, the very fact that she's already gotten two papers published 
as a result of this this research and two more coming out, uh, the one on the unfolded protein response, which is really the main one, uh, you know, the, the 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 real meat of her dissertation that will that will be coming out sometime this year. Uh, but the two that are out there, the, she had to get the mechanism of action out there first to be able to refer to it in these other papers. The rest of it would have been too much for one one uh, article. But just the sense that this was something really breakthrough. Uh, you know, she's she she's very you know comes off as a very down to earth individual. You know, and people are, are you know saying, wow, this is really breakthrough. And she's like, well, hey, I just. You know, I found something. My heart was telling me to follow direction. She's incredibly tenacious to be able to withstand all the pressure, all the opposition, all the innuendos, everything to try and keep her from being able to accomplish this. She made it through that in spades. And and now I'm really happy to see that she's getting recognized for her you know, tenacity and steadfastness uh, and her insight in being able to to follow the right roads, because when you're doing research, it's not like you have a a direct road to follow. You 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 right. you, you get an inspiration to look at something. You get the results from that. That raises questions. You do carry on experiments to to find answers for those questions, and that that's a process that she took for a period of many many years to get her to the outcome that is now appearing in these publications. So. Um, Again, you you know you couldn't buy that kind of research typically, so it's it's a great story. I think the whole thing is is a terrific narrative. Well, wonderful. And listeners, again, um, go to befeunit.com. Is that correct, Michael? Indeed, that's correct, Lisa. Okay, wonderful. And Michael and Bob. Thanks so much for joining us. Listeners, to become part of the Utopian Realities Slope Earth Aid Now mission, contact whitebuffalonation at gmail.com and visit wbnslope.weebly.com and our White Buffalo Nation Facebook page and support the Earth Aid Now mission at gofundme.com backslash slope as your contribution helps keep this mission going as we work to get solutions to all the people and life on Earth.
Friends, nothing in life is more important than your good health. That's why I recommend Bio-Algae Concentrates, Bio-Superfood Nutritional Supplements. These supplements feed every cell in your body microscopically. No matter how you feel, Bio-Algae Supplements will help you. Many people feel energized shortly after the first time they take it. And visit BioAge.com backslash Utopia or phone 877-288-9116 for more information and to order. And be sure to mention Utopia for a 15% discount. Thanks for joining us for Earth Aid Now. Together, let's sustain life on planet Earth. That's yours, mine, and all of ours, on and in the land, waters, and air. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, this is Siava Lisa Wolf for Earth Aid Now. Let's give the Earth and all her children freedom from fear, lack, and degradation and bring a utopian reality now.